All right. Good evening, brothers and sisters. How are y'all today? Good. Everybody good? Bad see me after this? We have uh, reached page 58. Um, I read through the last two paragraphs, or three paragraphs. So, um, very briefly, but we haven't really gone through it um, as much as the 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 last three basically points to how uh, the Buddha um, after the two teachers then went forth to uh, find the way to put an end to suffering. Yeah. Uh, you'll find that in this account, the, uh, the, the typical, the usual narrative about the Buddha, uh, going to practice extreme asceticism is missing. Yeah? It's missing from this text. Uh, so, you'll find that in various sutra, when the Buddha share about, uh, his process of going forth and so on, um, some, in some cases, he would, he would, uh, omit certain parts. Yeah? But in some cases, he will highlight certain areas. So for example, here, as I mentioned, there's no mention of extreme ascetism. But yet in other suttas, uh, you find that he go into elaborate details of the practice. Yeah? In those cases, then he highlighted for what purpose? He highlighted to, to say that, he has practiced to the extreme, the most anyone has ever done. And yet, he found no relief from suffering. He found no extinction of suffering, no cessation from suffering. Yeah? And so, seeing clearly that that is not the way, he abandoned that practice. Yeah? In cases where he want to highlight to disciples that uh, the 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 path that doesn't lead, uh, in particular, to some disciples who were or maybe still still have this mindset, ah, extreme ascetism. Yeah. After all, his disciples came from various uh, different uh, schools and so on. Yeah. It is not that uh, that they were Buddhist to begin with. Yeah. Uh, they definitely had to be non-Buddhist to begin with. Then, after hearing his teachings, I embrace the teachings. Yeah. So, if you can follow me, page 58, the second last paragraph. Thus, Udaka Ramaputta, my fellow monk, placed me in the position of a teacher and accorded me the highest honor. But it occurred to me, this Dharma does not lead to this enchantment, to this passion, to cessation, to peace, to direct knowledge, to enlightenment, to nibbana, but only to rebirth in the base of neither perception nor non-perception. Not being satisfied with that dharma, disappointed with it, I left. Yeah, so, uh, I've mentioned before as well that um, this this thing about being dissatisfied. Yeah. Yeah, being dissatisfied with a certain thing is what uh, compelled 
the Buddha to continue the, the search for the truth, for the way to put an end to suffering. If he remained uh, complacent with where he were, if he were to have this mindset, ah, let me accept myself as I am. Uh, let everybody should just accept each other as they are. Then <laughs> there will be no Buddhism. There will be no progress. There will be no path. There will be no end of suffering. Yeah? To recognize correctly what is a flaw, what is a defilement, and how and why that should be changed. Yeah? Uh, that's very crucial. Yeah? Um, let me see. Uh, last week, we kind of go in this direction. This week, we're going to go in this other yes, direction. Yes, yes. Okay. So, uh, change it. 2017, new uh, direction. Uh, huh? <laughs> you change, why do you change it? I, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. I told you. Okay. Now, now, those who, those who uh, get to read, uh, do not take it as a punishment. Uh, it is a way to reinforce your, your recollection of the teachings. Yeah. For those who uh, get to skip, do not be so happy as well. Yeah. Uh, there's another easier way to avoid having to read. Just don't come. <laughs> I'm not asking you not to come. Huh? But when you come, uh, you should be happy that you get to read. Because now the group is bigger. Uh, we may not go through the whole group to read as well, you know. So now there's a slimmer chance to get to read. Yeah. So if there's anyone who would like to volunteer to read, uh, you can volunteer yourself first. If not, I'll just go according. Anyone? Huh? You can go across. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not using this to punish anyone, nor to reward anyone. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, have you have you read last week? No, no. last uh, year not. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now your turn to read. So I read one part. Okay. One part. I will tell you when to stop. Okay. <laughs> Still in search, months of what is. Wholesome, seeking the peace, supreme state of sublime peace. I wonder by status to the Maga, Magadan, 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 Magadan country until eventually I arrived at Uruvela near Sana, Sena, Nigama. Nigama. There I saw an agreeable piece of ground, a delightful group with a clear flowing river with pleasant small banks, and Pause. nearby. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No pause at the comma. A <laughs> village <laughs> for arms resource. I consider. Uh full stop also must pause. <laughs> this is an agreeable piece of ground. This is a delightful room with a clear flowing river with pleasant, small banks and nearby a village of for arms resort. This was served for the striving of a clansman in time of striving. And I sat down there thinking, this was served for striving. Okay, thank you. Very good. So, uh, this happens sometime later. Yeah. So, the, the, the 
the Buddha related, still in search, monks, of what is wholesome, seeking the supreme state of sublime peace. I wandered by stages through the Magadan country until eventually I arrived at Urvila near Sena Nigama. So, um, at different points, he didn't just go straight in one, one path, okay? There I saw an agreeable piece of ground, a delightful grove with a clear flowing river with pleasant, smooth banks and nearby a village for arms resort. Yeah, so this arms resort is not a holiday resort, huh? uh, not city beach resort. <laughs> yeah, it means that the nearby village can provide arms. Yeah, uh, so from here you can see that he has already started to receive food. Uh, has already started to receive food. Mm. And he, when he considered this place, uh, that place is uh, uh, the environment is suitable. Yeah, uh, for most people, the environment is quite crucial for a start. Yeah, for most people, uh, but when you are cultivated to a certain point, uh, you are less affected by the environment. However, the for a person who uh, in Buddhism, those who are cultivators also don't like to go to noisy places. Mm. And then lies one distinction between Shravaka path and Bodhisattva path. A Shravaka practitioner uh, would avoid, would probably avoid noisy places. Yeah? Uh, but a Bodhisattva path practitioner uh, may willingly go to a noisy place and put up with uh, the, the noise. Yeah? If that is why it's required to reach out to sentient beings. Uh, uh. Now, that's not to say that, the, in my opinion, uh, that's not to say that the Sravaka path disciple is inferior. But it's just that their focus is different. One is trying to get themselves liberated first. Uh, so it's like, if you are currently not so well, you may not want to go to a high contamination place. Yeah? But if you are strong, you know, we have strong antibody, you are able to resist and so on, uh, and you, you have the heart to go and help those who are sick over there, uh, by all means. Yeah? So different directions. Uh, Lily? Thank you. Yeah, so, Nibbana, as related before, um, has uh, is is being presented in a juxtaposition kind of manner where it is overlaid with the very problem that he seeks to overcome, like birth, aging, sickness, and death, and so on. Yeah. So, um, nibbana is described as the unborn, yeah, the deathless, yeah, the unailing, and so on, as we we have seen in previous uh, passages. Yeah. Uh, Being myself subject to aging, having understood the danger 
separate areas. Thinking that I may use the twins to go away from bondage to Ghana. I attended. Thank you. So we have um, birth, aging, and then followed by sickness. Any? Thank you. Mm. Then, uh, Andrew? Uh, being myself subject to death, having understood the danger in what is subject to death, seeking the deathless, supreme security from bondage, Nibbana. I attain the deathless, supreme security from bondage, Nibbana. Mm, thank you. Mm. Christina? Being myself subject to sorrow, having understood the danger in what is subject to sorrow, Seeking the sorrowness, supreme security from bondage. So, sorrowless, uh, not sorrowness. Uh, sorrowless. Less. Less. Yeah. Supreme security from bondage, Nibbana. Thank Anything, you. Uh, continue. Sorry. Seeking the sorrowless, supreme security from bondage, Nibbana. Thank you. Mm. Billing? Being myself subject to Seeking the undefiled supreme security from bondage in Ghana. I attain the undefiled supreme security from bondage in Ghana. Oh, thank you. Doreen? The moment condition away in my liberation is unshaken. This is the last one. Now there is no more condition. Thank you. Yes. And so with this section here, um, you notice that uh, in para 18, uh, it just goes through the kind of uh, approach or mindset, yeah. But it doesn't go into the technical details of how exactly uh, he does it. Don't mention about him entering first, second, third, fourth jhana, although that is described in other suttas. No mention about what happened in the first, uh, the first watch of the night what happens in the second watch and the third watch. No mention about him seeing his own life, his past life, his many past life. How he saw himself in this village, in that village, with this role, by that name, in that clan, and under this family name. No such mention. Yeah? Because this is about um, the search. Yeah? So it doesn't go into all those details. Yeah? Now if you go on to the next uh, the next section, number two, the realization of the three true knowledges. Uh, there are different knowledges we have. We, we all have knowledge. We have a lot of knowledges. Yeah. Uh, here, uh, the three, three true knowledges, uh, is distinct in Buddhism. Yeah. Uh, Vivian? Sachaka. Yeah, so in Pali, the C is pronounced like, uh, is pronounced like, uh, with a chat sound. Yeah, CH sound. Yeah, Sachaka. Sachaka has the 
arriving in Master Gautama, but feeling so pleasant that it could invade his mind and remain. Has there never arisen? Arisen? Has there never arisen in Master Gautama a feeling so painful that it could invade his mind and remain? Thank you. So, um, hmm. so this is a sutta uh, from, let me find the source behind, it's quite a long sutta, from Maha Sachaka Sutta. Yeah. So you notice uh, Sachaka is actually the name of the person. Yeah. Uh, in many of the suttas, it's titled after the key um, key character within the sutta. Yeah. Uh, for example, uh, we have Sigulabada Sutta, which is to Sigulaka, yeah, the person whom the Buddha spoke to. Yeah. So in this case, this is actually directed to Maha Sachaka. Uh, in many of the disciples' name or individuals' name, you will notice that sometimes they have the Maha, sometimes they don't. Maha generally translates to great. Yeah. So why is there a Maha sometimes, sometimes there's no Maha? Yeah. Or sometimes the Buddha will address the person directly by the name and not addressed by Maha something. Yeah. So um, names being names, there's no such a thing as, oh, you are called... Uh, Louis, no one else can be called Louis. Yeah. So like within SGC, there's like three Wilson. Uh, so if let's say one of them attain Arahanthood, uh, then we can say this is Maha Wilson, the great Wilson. Uh, to, to highlight that this is not just one of the Wilson, but this is the Wilson, uh, in that sense. Yeah. In that way, uh, the distinction is given. Like the Kashapa brothers, yeah, they have, uh, is, they are all by that surname, that Kashapa. Uh, but the distinction given to one of them, Maha Kashapa, yeah? uh, the, which is the other, the other Kashapa. Uh, there are many others who are from the place Mongalana, yeah? or who also have shared the name Mongalana. So to distinguish that this is not just one of the Mongalana, but the chief disciple of the Buddha, then given Maha uh, Mughalana. So in this case, Sachaka is someone prominent. Uh, Louis. Uh, why not? Ajivesana. Uh, Ajivesana. Here, Ajivesana, before my enlightenment, while I was still uh, only an unenlightened Buddhisattva, I thought house. I thought household life is crowded and dusty. Life go for gone for gone for in wide open. Is wide open. Uh, wide open. It is not easy while living in a home to lead the holy life utterly uh, perfect and pure as polished shell. Um, suppose I shave off my hair and beard. Uh, put on, on the ochre road and go for from home life into homelessness. Mm, thank you. So, this is the Buddha relating the kind of thoughts that go through his mind. 
Yeah, so some individuals have asked, uh, is it a necessity to uh, ordain in order to be enlightened? Uh, you will find that in the various suttas, there are lay disciples who are actually enlightened as well. Yeah, uh, But in many cases, number one, those who have attained enlightenment, they would quite quickly go forth as well. It is said that those who attain arahanhood within seven days, if they do not ordain, they will enter Parinibbana. Yeah, that's such a, a teaching. Uh, why is this so? Because once you have attained an enlightenment up to arahanhood, if you are first, first stage, you may still stay on as a lay follower for a while, uh, but in some of the commentary it says that those enlightenment, those who are um, even more enlightened would, uh, in a way, comment and criticize, admonish the first stage enlightenment who is still staying as a householder, as a lay person. Why? Saying like, you have really reached this stage, why are you still stuck there? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. So the basis is that a person who has reached that level of um, penetration into the truth would would find meaningless to remain in their household life. Yeah, and that is the reason why they would quite readily or quickly uh, go forth. Yeah, so, um, so that's to say that uh, it is still possible to attain enlightenment as a lay person, uh, but in this and many others, the Buddha highlighted that it is not easy. Yeah, it is tough to actually attain enlightenment uh, within the role of a householder. Yeah, it is not easy while living in a home to lead the holy life utterly perfect and pure as a polished shell. And then he considered, suppose I shave off my hair and beard, put on the ochre robe and go forth from the home life into homelessness. Yeah. Uh, so our Buddhist, Chinese Buddhist term, Chu Jia, literally get out of the home. Uh. Yeah, actually, it, it's not just something we come up with. Yeah, it's actually from this lineage yeah, of those who leave their home as the Buddha did. Yeah. So this yes. No, no, this is not a, not not necessarily a lay person. The Buddha is relating that when he was a lay person. Yeah, when he was a monk, he was a prince, sorry. He was a lay person monk. This is one of the disciples. Yeah. Uh, orange? Later, one same young, a black-haired young man and down with the blessing of youth in the prime of life, as they kept still through one. And I sat down there thinking, this will serve for struggling. Hang on, pause. So this is text 2. Text 2 will be this chapter, and then 3, 1. So 3, and then... Uh, let me see. Two, two, one. Uh, three, one. Uh, two, three, one. Is this the one? Hang on, uh. Fourteen to seventeen. 
did you manage to find it? Two, then three, then one. Yeah. Uh, so how do you go by it? Two, uh, the I I uh, is Roman numeral two, so it's the bringer of light. Then inside there are three sections. Section one is one person. Section two is the Buddha's conception and birth. Section three is the quest for enlightenment. And under this section, then we look at uh, paragraph fourteen to seventeen, which is from fifty-six down to uh, fifty-eight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So uh, the verse will go later while still young, a black haired young man endowed with the blessing of youth and so on. Yeah. Uh, so this whole section, then Orange have to read the whole from uh, 14. <laughs> no. uh, so all of you have a chance to read now. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to leave it to you all to go and refer and refer to it yourself uh, because we just went through it. Oh, we just went through it. Yeah. So, this part is basically saying that uh, he considered why not I were to just uh, leave the household? Yeah. Why not do that? Considering that it is not easy as a lay person for him to practice. Yeah. So then he had a whole list of reflection. Yeah. And the whole sequence happened. Okay? Uh, Orange, if you continue with paragraph 17. Now, these three syllables occurred to me spontaneously, never heard before. Suppose there were, there were a wet second piece of wood lying in water, and a, and a man came with an upper fire stick, thinking, I shall light a fire, I shall produce heat. What do you think, Adivisara? Adivisara. Adivisara. Mm. Could the man light a fire and produce heat by taking the upper fire stick and rubbing it against the wet certain piece of wood lying in the water? No, Master Gautama, why not? Because it is a wet certain piece of wood and it is lying in water, eventually the man would be the only willingness to disappoint. Okay, thank you. Mm. So previously in one of the class, um, I think, no, not class, during the retreat itself, I mentioned about uh, this. There are two similes that I mentioned. One is the, the simile of boiling water, if you stop halfway. The other one is this. Yeah, if you take wet wood, you try to rub it together, you'll never produce it. Yeah, why? Because the wood itself is wet, you cannot, you just can't do it. Yeah. Um, this similes would make a lot of sense to those uh, individuals in the Buddha's time because they have done something like that before. They have started a fire before. For most of us today, if you have not joined some outdoor activities that require you to start a campfire with wood, uh, not using match, match stick, you, it may be a bit hard to understand like what's the problem. But I would say that if you consider this example, even if you have not done it before, you can just imagine if you take wet wood, wood that is soaked in water, and try to, yeah, you can imagine how it will be like, yeah. 
you probably have a lot of abrasion after uh, several minutes and still no fire. Yeah. Uh, what is your name again? Uh, Anhui. Anhui, okay. Um, no master Gautama. Oh, yes, so too. Oh, sensual pleasures. Sensual pleasures and hopes. Sensual desire, affection, infatuation, thirst and fever for sensual pleasures have not been duly abandoned and suppressed internally. Even those good cosmetics and drawings, clean, painful, practically unpleasing feelings due to the exertion, they are incapable of knowledge and vision and supreme Thank you. Mm. So, um, <clears throat> here you find the description uh, relating to the ascetics and Brahmins who still do not leave bodily withdrawn from sensual pleasures and so on. Yeah. Um, even if those good ascetics and Brahmins feel uh, painful, racking, piercing feelings due to assertion, they are incapable of knowledge and vision and supreme enlightenment. Yeah. So here he starts to go through the different practices yeah, and how the different practices um, ultimately doesn't, they are incapable of knowledge and vision and supreme enlightenment. Hmm. Uh, Doreen? Okay. Again, Suppose there were a wet satin piece of wood lying on dry land, far from water, and a man came with an upper fire stick, thinking, I shall light the fire, I shall produce heat. What do you think, Haji Visana? Could the man light a fire and produce heat by taking the upper fire stick and rubbing it against the wet satin piece of wood lying on dry, dry land? Mm. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's one complete thing. <laughs> oh, Master Kutama, why not? Because it is a wet, satin piece of wood, even though it is lying on dry land far from water. Eventually, the man would live only weariness and disappointment. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, so, if you compare this simile and the one before that, the distinction is this. The first one is wet, sappy piece of wood lying in the water. So, <laughs> that's quite obvious. In the water, you cannot. But now, even if you remove the wet, sappy piece of wood and have it lying on dry land far from water, it is still a wet, a wet sappy piece of wood. Yeah, You will still bring weariness, and disappointment. Yeah. In a way, weariness and disappointment, one is the bod bodily, you'll be worn out. Yeah. Disappointment is your, your mind. One is body and mind. Your body and mind will be worn out. Yeah. Mm. 
So let's look at what this simile represents. Yeah, Serene? Thank you. Mm, good. So the distinction between the first one and the second one, the ascetics and Brahmins, um, the first in the first case, uh, they leave they they live with the body not withdrawn from sensual pleasures. Yeah. So in this way, the water represents sensual pleasure. Yeah. With the wood soaked in water. Now in the second case. Those ascetics and Brahmins who live bodily withdrawn from sensual pleasures. Okay? Uh, one is still immersed in sensual pleasure, not withdrawn. The other one is already withdrawn. Uh, but just because you live withdrawn, sorry, not, not good enough. Why? But whose sensual desire, affection, infatuation, thirst, and fever for sensual pleasures has not been fully abandoned and suppressed internally. What does this mean? It means that it is not simply the outward um, withdrawal. The withdrawal here refers to the outward engagement because sensual pleasures is about the senses. So while a person, whether uh, ascetic or Brahmin, may practice such that, okay, the person don't engage uh, uh, directly in sensual pleasure, but if in the mind, yeah, if in the mind there is still the desire for sensual pleasure, there is still affection, infatuation, that means uh, you still long for it, you still like it, you are still yearning for it. Yeah, thirst, yeah, fever, fever, not literally, you know, the temperature fever, but it means that the mind is hot, keep <laughs> agitated for, for it. You know. uh, it's just like, your children, if they are crazy for menu, uh, or they are crazy for some Korean, uh, or maybe ourselves, uh, uh, yourself maybe wow, yearning for the Korean, then wow, somehow, or maybe it's Zhang Xueyou Yen Zhang Hui, then, there's a retreat. Yeah? Wow, so, the, it's so strong that, wow, if Sifu says no, the retreat is up to 4 o'clock, you cannot go earlier. Wow, maybe during the retreat, uh, like you may start to convulse. Huh? <laughs> yeah? You might start to just shake and wow, your, your head, you start to experience headache. Wow, you can't, can't concentrate. Huh? <laughs> maybe, yeah. yeah. So, 
one is external, uh, one is internal. Yeah, let's look at the next simile. Yeah. Uh, Again, Aji Vesana. Thank you. Mm. So you can see the distinction here. The first example was wet, sappy uh, wood. Uh, if you have seen wood soak in water, that it becomes sappy, it means it's like a bit bloated already. Yeah. Uh, the second case, so the first case is such a wood still soaked in the water, and you try to then. Uh, rub it and try to produce heat and fire. You will fail. Second case, it is wet and sappy, but on dry land. Yeah? But although it's on dry land, the wood itself is filled with water, it's sappy. Yeah? Now the third one, dry, sapless piece. Ah, it's completely dry. Yeah? It has no moisture within. And it's on dry land far from water. So externally, we can see later in the example would be externally withdrawn from sensual pleasure, yeah, and internally already a switch. All the sensual desire, affection, infatuation, fever, and so on, yeah, already quelled. Uh, let's take a look. Uh, what's your name? Bryson. Huh? Yes. Okay. So to Ajivesana. So to Ajivesana, as to those aesthetic environments to live bodily withdrawn from sensual pleasure and to sensual desire, affection, infatuation, thirst, and fever for sensual pleasures has been fully abandoned and suppressed internally. Even if those good aesthetic environments feel painful, wrecking, piercing feeling due to exertion, they are capable of knowledge and vision and supreme enlightenment. And even if those good aesthetic environments do not feel painful, wrecking, piercing feeling due to exertion, they are capable of knowledge and vision and supreme enlightenment. This was the third simile that occurred to me spontaneously, never heard before. These are the three similes that occurred to me spontaneously, Thank you. Uh, so, this is the third example, as we have seen. Uh, in this case, leave bodily withdrawn from sensual pleasures. And internally, what happened? The sensual desire, affection, infatuation, thirst, and fever for sensual pleasure has been 
uh, fully abandoned and suppressed internally. Yeah. Now, in all three cases, then the Buddha mentioned about how whether they experience uh, the painful, racking, piercing feelings or not. Uh, in the first two cases, whether they experience or not, there's no, there's no attainment. In the third case, even if they live their life without any pain, they still attain enlightenment. Uh, yeah. So this may come as a surprise for some people. Yeah. Uh, in in some Asian cultures, I think Chinese culture have this mindset. Like as though to have anything good, we must suffer first. So if you see someone, yeah, uh, have something good happen to them without suffering, uh, sometimes people will feel like, oh yeah. And the Hokang, why, 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 why this person can, can have such a good deal, uh? No, we must put him to the test, you know, help him. We must help him out, give him some, <laughs> some suffering, uh. uh I've seen, somehow Chinese have this, yeah. We have so many verses about suffering. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I thought about this before. I think sometimes maybe we interpret it the way we want. And the way I would interpret it is if a person can go through a lot of hardship and still be a good person, still be a patient person, still be a kind person, still be a person who do the right thing, uh, this is a person who is a Ren Sang Ren. Not that you go through a lot of pain, then you become Ren Sang Ren. Yeah, so it's not necessary that you must go through a lot of pain. Yeah, but what you do when you go through a lot of pain, you know? So, uh, now it gets more interesting. Uh, what, what is the name again, sorry? Blossom. Bloss- oh, yes, Blossom. Blossom, okay. Like? Crushed mine with my soul, with my teeth clenched and my tongue pressed against the lid of my mouth. I beat down and strained and crushed, crushed mine with mine. While I did so, sweat ran from my armpit. Okay, uh, let me see. Okay, uh, next person. Just as a strong man might seize a little man by the head on the shoulders and beat him down, constrain him and crush him, so too my teeth clenched and my, my tongue pressed against the lid of my mouth. I did not constrain and crush my mind, and sweat ran from armpits. But although tireless energy arose in me and unremitting mindfulness was established, my body was overwhelmed and strained because I was exhausted by the painful struggle. But such painful feelings that arose in me did not invade my mind from me. Thank you. Mm. So if you look at this description, uh, Teeth clenched, tongue pressed against the roof of my mouth. Can you imagine? You don't have to imagine, just do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, the tongue pressed up against, you know. I beat down, constrained, and crushed mind with mind. Now, 
this sutta, among others, uh, give such description. Yeah, uh, very interesting. Yeah, um, but these days, can we do it? Not so easy, uh. Now I'm not suggesting that we should do it to the extreme. Yeah, but <laughs> sometimes, uh, for example, when we do sitting meditation, I remember uh, my teacher and various masters like Ajahn Chah would mention. Uh, if you sit and you experience some discomfort and immediately you move, then of course the pain will go away. And you sit for a while, the pain comes again and you move again. And if you just keep doing that, then, then it becomes a habit. Whenever pain comes, you must move. Yeah? But instead, if you are to just bear with it, but the trick is to bear without tensing your body. Yeah? To just accept that, yeah, this body is like that. Sometimes this body gives you pleasure. Sometimes it gives you pain. Other times it gives you neither painful nor pleasant experiences. This is the way the body is. We learn the three kinds of feelings, isn't it? Yeah? When we go to the lab, the meditation hall is the lab. Yeah? You are doing the experiment. And the body is giving you the real life experience of. <laughs> ah, using handphone cannot caught. <laughs> so, when you go to the meditation hall, we should look at it as a laboratory. Yeah? Where you are there to experience the teaching in real life. So when your body feels pleasant, you should not just, wow, today's sitting is good. But you should consider, ah, this is just one aspect of the bodily sensation. Then you should look out for the neither painful nor pleasant ones. And when painful feelings arise, you should not like, oh, I want this. You should come to uh, a realization that, yeah, this is the way this body is. This is the way this body is. We like this body or we feel good about this body only because of the pleasantness it gives us. But this body never promises you that it will be pleasant. This body, the way it is, is it is capable of giving you three kinds of feelings. Three kinds of feelings. Painful, pleasant, neither painful nor pleasant. Yeah? Uh, so, if we can do that, then even the pain becomes a source for us to observe and contemplate. Yeah. Um, now, if you can do that for a short while during meditation, does it mean that you must not move like a stone structure? Not necessary. Yeah. At some point, if you find that the mind is becoming more and more and more agitated, um, and at that point, in that sitting, you are not able to transcend it, you are not able to overcome that agitation, then, okay, consciously know that you want to move. Yeah? Go ahead and move. Uh, but you don't just move on reflex. Ah, itchy, move. Uh, painful, move. Aching, move. Uh, 
if you can do these steps, uh, the pain, I'm not guaranteeing you that, oh, then the pain will not come. The pain may still come. And in fact, sometimes will come in a regular, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah? uh, but you'll be more equipped to face it. Yeah. Then you can see the pain as it is. Otherwise, the pain is just one big lump. But when you go and observe carefully, uh, then you, can, you will tell me a surprise. <laughs> yeah. And if you can do that during meditation, then in your day-to-day, uh, it's, you have a higher chance to observe discomfort, mental discomfort, physical discomfort, or painful experiencing arising, yeah? and be able to bear with it, be able to face it without just... Uh. So sometimes people ask, uh, but Sifu, sit there, sit there, sit there, for what? How, how is that applicable to real life? Uh, always tell me, uh, always, there's always this request, can you make it more relevant? But <laughs> I cannot follow you the whole day and like show you, oh, here, 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 you must do this. Yeah? Uh, but you must do the basic groundwork first. Because if you, we don't, if you don't experience this part yourself, I can, like, I have explained this part many times. But it will still seem like a theoretical thing. Because if you cannot do the first part, the second part will just sound theoretical. But it's not theoretical. It really can be done. But it must be built on top of the initial groundwork. So try. Uh, Who is next? I want to ask. Yes, okay. Um, What if crush mind with mind? It means that you you overcome... uh, Just imagine... uh, One to one that. Huh? No, no, no. So the, the, the mind is getting agitated. The mind is having... Like sometimes when you are sitting or you are doing some practices, then you're like, ah, fed up, I don't want to do, don't want to do. Yeah? Or it's becoming... Uh, having a fear or having all kinds of different uh, emotions or defilements, if you will. Now, using the mind to overcome this, all this uh, propensity. Uh, this is what it means. Oh, so overcome the mind with the mind. Yeah. Yes. Willpower to overcome it. Yes. Uh, so in modern times, especially in the past, maybe how many years, there's always this: uh, just watch it and it will go away. Uh, if we if we look at the the Buddha's approach, mm-hmm. he seldom say, just watch it and you'll go away. But it does go away. Uh, so, th- there will be cases where it goes away, uh, but in many cases, the Buddha highlight uh, practicing a counter uh, measure yeah, to eradicate it. If you just watch it and it goes away, um, it may not be going away through your practice. In a way. In a way. Like using like hatred as a loving kindness. Yes. Correct. Uh, uh, so, by watching it, uh, it's not a direct countermeasure. So, it may go away because you, by watching it, you are actually also doing something. You are interrupting the, the hatred itself. Yeah. Uh, but instead of just watching it, 
good to practice the reverse of it. If anger arises, to uh, cultivate love. Yeah? If jealousy arises, to cultivate uh, equanimity, yeah? and so on. If fear arises, then to cultivate uh, compassion, can cultivate, uh, can do the six recollection. Yeah? Uh, so the Buddha highlighted various kinds of uh, countermeasure practices. Yes. Uh, there's two parts. I, I understand what you are saying. So there are two parts. Firstly, you all should not just, the moment someone asks a question, then you all just going to do whatever you want to do. Uh. So, when um, what, you are, what, you, what she just asked, um, she mentioned about how uh, by observing, is it that we observe it like a third party? Yeah? Observe the mind and body like a third party. Yeah? So this is what I understand. But he, she mentioned one part, which is that the mind is the Allah consciousness. Uh, so that part I want to highlight. Uh, first, I want to not talk about that first. I want to highlight that, yes, in a way, it is like observing the mind and body like a third party. Yeah? But I sometimes refrain from using that, that expression because uh, I try to use as few additional expressions as possible. Otherwise, it's easy for others to have more chance to misread what the instruction is. Yeah, just go and observe the, the body. Then it's very straightforward. But once I say, uh, observe it like a third party, some people may find it useful and understand it correctly, but for some people, then they, will, they may start to link with other things that is watching like a third party. Then they may start to say, oh, is it like a body, our body experience? You know, when you say third party, it can become like, go that way, but that is not what it is. Uh, so I know you are not, I, I hope, I, I'm presuming you are not saying that, but I want to highlight that I usually won't use third party observer kind of um, expression because there is uh, the danger when, you, we, when I use additional terms such as this that people may misconstrue what is the actual technique. Huh? Okay? Uh, 
Ah, okay. I think I understand what you mean. So, if you, so if you were to just know it as a knowledge, then it's just uh, knowledge. But if you were to experience it directly, then it is wisdom. That's what you are trying to ask, right? No, no. Is that what you are trying to ask? It is right. Huh? That's fine answer.眼根不能看东西的就连佛也不是用眼根看东西圣人不代表就是用眼根来看东西当我们说我们凡夫这个唯一是所限是因为我们的事呢第六意识是虚妄分别所在是骗计所执但是圣人把骗计所执去除了所以见到原成实性而也就是依他起性但是他要见依他起性也就是说不是用这个第六意识的这
纸上谈兵了。啊、uh, ，What was you saying, or and what you are explaining? Can I put in a simple term? ก็เอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ
although it's also just words, but it points, it, it is in the direction of the truth. So you use this as a way to plant new seeds that is pointing in the uh, direction of purity. In this way, over time, there's more and more purified seeds that is planted. So you don't change mechanism because the mechanism is just like that. <laughs> yeah? And you don't directly try to go and modify Allah consciousness, but only through the sixth default consciousness. Yeah? But the sixth consciousness itself is not that by itself default, it's default by the seventh mana consciousness. So the practice is through the sixth consciousness, because it's not by itself default, you can read this, which is the, the teaching of wisdom, then you can also plant seeds that is pointing towards wisdom. And over time, the, the, the positive karmic seeds or the positive seeds become stronger and stronger such that you are able to evoke those wholesome roots. Yeah. And when it reaches a critical point, then yeah. But in the whole process, the, the knowledge of Allah consciousness is spoken by the Buddha to give us that framework. Um, it is in part to counter the wrong grasping of emptiness. Yeah. No, no, no. Can, can I ask a question here? I'm just telling you in future. Don't I know that sometimes some teachers may hear throughout our Alaya consciousness that throughout uh, when we learn the structure, you have to know what role Allah consciousness play. Yeah? But in the actual cultivation, it is, it is mainly working on the sixth consciousness. Yeah. Uh, this is the, the, the order. Pusa yu ting wei guan ying wei si xing yu nan xu pu kata suo xu yi fei yu. So, never talk about Allah consciousness. Yeah, it's all about directly talking about the mind. Yeah, and this in this case talking about sex consciousness. Oh, uh, so just once and for all, uh, in future don't bring up Allah consciousness in regards to this again. Uh, because you don't know second or third time already. Okay. Like uh next. So I stopped the in breath and out breath through my mouth and nose. While I did so, there was a loud sound of wings coming out from my ear holes. In breath and out breath through my mouth and nose. While I did so, there was a loud sound of wings coming out from my ear holes. Just as there's a loud sound when the sleeves below are blown, so too while I stopped the in breath and out breath through my nose and ears. There was a loud sound of wings coming out from my ear holes. But although tireless, 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 tireless energy was aroused, in me an unremitting mindfulness was established, my body was overwhelmed and strained while I was exhausted by painful striving. 
but such painful feeling that arose in me did not invade my mind and limbs. Mm, thank you. Yeah, so here then there's more description of the kind of practice that he would do. Yeah. He would hold his breath. Uh, uh, not just regulate, you know, hold your breath. Uh, in breath, hold, or out breath, then hold. Yeah. Stop the in and out breath through my mouth and nose. Yeah. What happened? Then you hear, start to hear sound, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, what is this? Uh, unremitting mindfulness. Uh, that means the mindfulness is you, you, don't, you don't waver, you don't stop. Yeah. You con constant, constant mindfulness was established. No up and down. Uh, it's just Stay. focused, stable. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, become stronger or weaker. It just maintained there. Yeah. Mm. Good question. Yeah. So, although he practiced in this way, with tireless energy aroused in him and unremitting mindfulness established, but still, what happened? Mm. The body was overwrought and strained. Why? Because he was the Buddha and when he was practicing, he was exhausted by the painful striving. Uh, uh, by painful striving. Mm. So, uh, this is part of the practice that he tried. Uh. Now, the thing that he is highlighting here is that even though there was so much pain, but what happened? Such painful feeling that arose in me did not invade my mind and remain. Yeah, uh, the painful feeling don't doesn't stir him up. Uh. Yeah, very painful, but he is able to still remain calm, mindful, and so on. Yeah, Xiaoling. I thought, suppose I practice further the breathless meditation, so I stop the in breath and the out breath through my mouth, nose, and ears. Sorry. Or I did so, violent winds cut through my head, just as if a strong man were pressing against my head with the tip of a sharp sword. So too, while I stopped the in-breath and out-breath through my mouth, nose and ears, violent winds cut through my head. But although tireless energy was aroused in me and unremitting mindfulness was established, my body was overwrought and strained because I was exhausted by the painful striving. But such painful feeling that arose in me did not invade my mind and remain. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So the difference between the first one and the second one, the first one was just through the mouth and nose. This third one, even through the ears. Yeah? Uh, I don't know about you all, but I'm not able to stop the ear. Huh? So this is a higher level. <laughs> yeah. But if you actually do that, maybe it's still, maybe you can still imagine like when you are in a plane and your ears pop and you can, and you will do that, right? But if you don't do that, you'll just maintain, you know? So basically, he don't even, you know, let the ear, yeah, he just maintain there, yeah? Then what happened? Oh, wow. When I, while I did so, a violent wind cuts through my head. <laughs> wow, can you imagine that? Yeah. Violent wind cuts through my head. Yeah. Okay, HK. I right. thought 
Suppose I practice further the breathless meditation, so I stop the in-breath and out-breath through my mouth, nose and ears. While I did so, there were violent pain in my head, just as a strong man would have tightened a tough leather strap around my head as a headband. So too, while I stopped the in-breath and out-breath through my mouth, nose and ears, there were violent pain in my head. But although the tireless energy was aroused in me and unremitting mindfulness was established, my body was overwhelmed and strained because I was exhausted by the painful striving. But such painful feelings that arose in me did not invade my mind and remain. Mm. So he just did it more and more and more. I, fur- I practiced further the breathless meditation. So you just keep holding, holding, holding until you feel violent winds in your head, until you feel like that there's a ladder, someone with a ladder strap tightening over your head. Oh, wow. Without even practicing this, sometimes I also have headache. Huh? <laughs> they all feel headache already. Huh? Well, then headache a bit. Uh, sometimes I will just observe the, the headache and just let it be for the whole day. Yeah, but sometimes in order to have class, then I have to pop some. Huh? Mm. But the Buddha in this case, he do the practice. Yeah. Um, in order to try to see whether that an end to suffering can be achieved. But no more and more pain. I thought, suppose I practice further the breathless meditation. So I thought the in-breath and out-breath through my mouth, nose and ears. While I did so, violent winds cough up my belly. Wow. Just as if a skilled butcher or his apprentice were to cough up an ox belly with a sharp butcher's knife. So too, while I stopped at the in-breaths and out-breaths through my mouth, nose and ears, violent winds cough up my belly. But although tireless energy was aroused in me and unremitting mindfulness was established, my body was overwrought and strained because I was exhausted by the painful striving. But such painful feeling that arose in me did not invade my mind and remain. So, wow, can you imagine? Sometimes when you meditate, and then sometimes the, even though you don't hold your breath, sometimes the wind can become quite strong, it can stir up a bit. Or maybe we go to some countries and then you've got stomach ache. Wow, I ever can before. If you go to some countries like uh, India or Myanmar or some of the countries, uh, the locals have no problem with the food. But when we eat, we have a problem. Huh? Wow, hard for us to focus. You know, yeah. You you just. But in that in that case, it's a bit different from this because this is violent wind cuff up my belly. Yeah. Uh, in the case of food poisoning, uh, may not be so extreme. Sometimes can be quite extreme. But the worst thing is that there's something coming out. <laughs> the wind want to come out. So, how? Uh, I'm going to co- continue reading this later part. A few more minutes. I thought, suppose I practice further the breathless meditation. 
So I stopped the in-breaths and out-breaths through my mouth, nose and ears. While I did so, there was a violent burning in my body. Just as if two strong men were to seize a weaker man by both arms and roast him over a pit of hot coals, so too, while I stopped the in-breaths and out-breaths through my mouth, nose and ears, there was a violent burning in my body. But, although tireless energy was aroused in me and unremitting, unremitting mindfulness was established, my body was overwrought and strained because I was exhausted by the painful striving. But such painful feeling that arose in me did not invade my mind and remain. Hmm. Now, I'm going to just read one or two paragraphs. Next week, we'll come back to start from paragraph 26. Now, when deities saw me, the deities refer to heavenly beings who observe the Buddha practicing. Some said, the ascetic Gotama is dead. Others, other deities said, the ascetic Gotama is not dead. He is dying. Another deity said, the ascetic Gotama is neither dead nor dying. He is an Arahant, for such is the way Arahants dwell. <laughs> so here you see that the reference to the Buddha is not saying, oh, the Buddha is this or that, but the ascetic Gotama. Yeah? So in the Buddha's time, uh, many times people refer to him as ascetic Gotama. Yeah? Even sometimes even after he has attained enlightenment. Yeah? Because it was not, it was not uh, uh, how do I put it? It is not a name. Buddha is not his name. Yeah? It is a reference to the fact that he is awakened. So there are those who, would, who may not be convinced that he is awakened. So they may just refer to him as an ascetic and Gotama, his family name. Yeah. Sakyan is his clan name, Gotama is his family name. So he is known in that way. But once people talk to him and they realize, oh, this is not just some ascetic, you know, uh, then they pass on the words. Then they will refer to him as the Blessed One. Yeah. Uh, and they will tell others, ha, ah, the Blessed One is in town. Yeah. He is said, he is the uh, Arahant, he is the Blessed One. He is uh, the teacher of gods and men, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Mm. So, what follows is other further practices. Now, uh, as I've mentioned before, you will see that in in this series of teachings, uh, Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi uh, pick out these uh, paragraphs and chapters to highlight the Buddha's pursuit and path towards enlightenment. But if you look at this whole section on his practice of extreme asceticism, holding his breath for a start, and later eating very little food, these practices did not put an end to suffering. Yeah? But he highlighted the pain did not invade his mind and remain. It is not that the pain overwhelmed him, then he said, oh, awesome, awesome. Huh? But it's that he was able to bear a bit, but still he don't. He reached a point. Okay, it, it's so extreme already. Still, no end of suffering. Uh, 
So this is important. Uh. It is not that he practiced extreme asceticism and then attained enlightenment, nor is it that he couldn't take the extreme asceticism, then he gave it up. It is that he was able to take it, but he saw that taking it doesn't do anything, just add more pain. Yeah? Yeah? Pointless pain. Then he put that aside. Yeah. So, uh, when we do our own practices, then we must be cautious. Huh? Because some of the, perhaps cultural influence, uh, or maybe the way some communities are, uh, sometimes we may have this mindset, wow, do some practices that bring a lot of physical pain. Huh? Then we feel like, wow, this is purifying our <laughs> back karma. Uh, if, if later on there's no reference to the text on how the Buddha have conversation with those ascetics later on, uh, I will bring it up for you all to take a look. Uh, because that's when he directly says, for what purpose is your practice? Uh, and bear in mind, it's not that he never tried or he gave up, then he can say such thing. Uh, he tried to the extreme. So he can have the full authority. Everybody knows. Everybody knows he's the foremost. So when he say that, when he questioned them, they, they reply respectfully. And then from those conversations, you know that, hmm, indeed, those kind of pain that is inflicted doesn't bring too much end. Put our palms together. Yen